Good morning. Welcome to worship. It is January the 28th. Welcome to those who are joining in person, those who are joining online. I had a locomotive joke I was going to tell this morning, but I've lost my train of thought. All right, there's my morning joke for y'all. I keep this up. The choir is going to start bringing vegetables. <laughs> Our scriptures today, we continue in the Beatitudes with Matthew 5, 5. Um, I'm also going to be reading from the ninth Psalm. So Matthew 5, 5 is on 683. I did not get the page number turn changed for Psalm 9. But if you want to follow along in your pew Bible, if you open up your Bible roughly in the middle, you'll probably end up in Psalms. But I'm going to be reading from the message for that. So, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Psalm 9. I am thanking God from a full heart. I am writing the book on your wonders. I'm whistling, laughing, and jumping for joy. I'm singing your song, hi, God. The day my enemies turned tail and ran, they stumbled on you and fell on their faces. You took over and set everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. You blow the whistle on godless nations. You throw dirty players out of the game. Wipe their names right off the roster. Enemies disappear from the sidelines. Their reputations trashed. Their names erased from the halls of fame. God holds the high center. He sees and sets the world's mess right. He decides what is right for us earthlings. Gives people their just desserts. God is a safe house for the battered. During sanctuary during bad times. The moment you, you arrive, you relax. You, you are never sorry you've knocked. Sing your songs to the Zion-dwelling God. Tell his stories to everyone you meet. How he tracks down killers, yet keeps an eye on us. Registers every whimper and moan. Be kind to me, O oh God, I've been kicked around long enough. Once you've pulled me back from the gates of death, I'll write a book on hallelujahs. On the corner of Main and First, I'll hold street meetings. I'll be the song leader who will fill the air with salvation songs. They're trapped, those godless countries, in the very snares they've set. Their feet all tangled in the net they've spread. They've no excuse. The way God works is well known. The shrewd machinery made by wicked has maimed their own hands. The wicked bought a one-way ticket to hell. No longer will the poor be nameless. No more humiliation for the humble. Up, God! Aren't you fed up with the empty stuttering? Expose their grand pretensions. Shake them up, God. Show them how silly they look. Amen. So when I think of meek in the Beatitudes, 
I try to think of the characters in the Bible that really, we can really see that being lived out. I think of Paul. Now that seems a little weird because Paul is not the way I would usually think of meek. I mean, when I hear meek, I think of mice. You know, mice, small, timid creatures that run at the first sound. You know, you don't usually, the way you find you got mice in a house is not because you see a mouse, it's because you find what they've left behind or what they took. You know, you don't see a mouse at first because they're meek, they're timid. And Paul is anything but. I mean, Paul, after all, is this person who leaves his comfortable life of a rising star in, in, the, in, the, in the Jewish faith to go traveling around living from hand to mouth, going into synagogues and preaching and going into the center of towns and, and speaking. You know, a man who, who is beaten and bloodied and imprisoned because of who he is and what he does. And, as, and, and he's not always gentle with others. I mean, his words are sharp. They cut right into people. He writes letters to bring down entire congregations for what they're doing wrong. Meek, well, it doesn't feel like it fits because Paul seems anything but. However, it's more of a problem of translation. Meek in, in the Greek can be translated as gentle. You could read it as, blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. This whole meek being associated with only small, cowardly things is kind of a, actually a modern interpretation of the word. I mean, if we even go back a couple generations, you've got hymns in your Bible, especially Christmas carols that use the word meek, meaning gentle. You know, Jesus, the baby, meek and mild. They're not saying, you know, that small, timid creature. They mean gentle and even-tempered, which, let's face it, for anyone who's ever had a baby or a toddler, gentle and even-tempered is awesome. Anyway. So, let's approach it that way. Because why would Jesus say Gentle, And why would Paul, for that instance, be, I classify him as gentle in terms of what Paul, as Jesus, is talking about? Now, mind you, Jesus is still a new name on the block in Matthew. You know, he, he has started to gather followers. He's starting to get his name out there. People don't really know who he is. Now, they're looking for a Messiah, they're looking for a Messiah in the line of David or Hezekiah or Judas Maccabean. You know, David you know, took over after Saul and built the kingdom to a great, powerful, small empire. You know, Hezekiah fended off the Assyrians. Judas Maccabeus, he threw out the Seleucids. He started the, the Hasmoneans. He was the great hero. That's what they're looking for. But Jesus says, no. It's the gentle. It's the gentle who are going to lead us to victory. Those who do not take up the sword 
but those who are kind to others. Those who do not use what I would call strong force, force that strikes and harms, but gentle force that lifts, that heals, that brings others up. He's rejecting the Messiah that they are looking for. Now, the Messiah they're looking for is, is still going to be a problem throughout the, the rest of Jesus' story. I mean, we have it right up to the east, right before Easter, the night before he's in prison, or even the night he is in prison. Um, the disciples think that they need to all go get swords because it's time to take over. And Jesus says, well, how many swords do we have? And they say, we got just two. And Jesus is like, great, two's all we need. We're not going to win this by using deadly force, but by gentle force. Now, as I said with the kids, it makes sense from, from kind of a rational point. You know, that whole saying, we catch more flies with honey than vinegar. That makes sense. But then once you think about the way humanity works, we don't work that way. We are reactionary beings. I mean, if someone cuts you off in traffic, what's your first impulse? Are you like, oh, it's fine, whatever? Or do you say something that I should not say on a microphone in church? Or maybe certain hand gestures? You know, if someone is unkind to you, you react, I would guess, usually if you're not thinking about it, in a similar nature. If they are unkind to you, you are probably unkind to them. Some of us are more practiced at not being that. I'm looking around. We've got a number of educators, pre and current, and I know you guys had to practice to not react negatively. <laughs> That's a gift. It's easier when you're dealing with kids, too. But what we find, when we act out in a negative manner, when we act out with strong force, it doesn't solve the problem we want to. You know, these disciples think they've got all the answers, they got Jesus, and now they're going to fix the world, and they're going to do it with strong force. But when we see people attack something with strong force, with the idea they're going to solve problems, it never does. I mean... Just look back a little bit in history. You know, we've got the European continent. They're a great one to set the whole look at. You know, oh, we don't have enough food for our people. That's a problem. And these people next door aren't giving us food, helping us. So we're going to attack them to get what we want. We're going to use strong force to make the world better. Because if they did a better job sharing, we would do a better job living. And then, so they attack and blood and then... You start to form feuds, and before you know it, you've got, you know, the Napoleonic Wars, you've got, which lead to the Germany unifying, which leads eventually lots of things I'm skipping over. But then we've got World War I, which leads to World War II, which leads to the, um, the Cold War, which leads to wars in Afghanistan and Korea and Vietnam. You see the point? Like, each one builds into a new war. The use of strong violence 
to get what you want, to make things right, to shape the world as you wish it to be, ends in more violence. That's not what Jesus is trying to build. Now, we're not quite at the peacemaker yet. Remember, we're approaching this like a ladder. First step was realizing we need God, poured spirit, that we aren't better than everyone else. The next step was those who mourn, those who recognize that we live in a broken world, that we have done things that harm others, and that others continue to do things that harm others. So realizing we, don't, we need God, realizing there's a problem, and so the next logical step is to fix the problems. And Jesus says, don't approach this fixing of problems with the sword. Approach it with meekness, with gentleness. Do not pick up the sword. Do not raise a fist, but lift, put out a hand. Pick up a hoe. Pick up a rake. Pick up tools. The next step is to approach with gentleness. We're not quite the peacemaker yet. That's going to be harder. Each one's going to get harder. For now, it's not to be reactive, but proactive. Now, Paul is, as I said, a great example of living this. Because, as I said, despite the fact that Paul was beaten and bloodied, that he was imprisoned, despite the fact that Paul's own churches would at times, like Corinth did, reject him and call him a loser, and we kind of figured that out in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that they basically called him a loser. Actually, they called him a, you know, a poor loser. Despite all of that, Paul never attacks outward. Now, he might rebuke. Rebuke is different. To point out the problems, that's different. And I will admit, there are times that Paul comes off as a jerk. But he does it from a place of love, and he does not do so cruelly. He doesn't, you know, crack your mama jokes in the middle of correcting them. He just points out what is wrong, and he points out possible solutions. He doesn't even go so far as saying, if you don't follow me, you're out. The closest he gets to that is in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, where there's this whole issue with this guy marrying his stepmom to keep the money, and it's just all kinds of crazy. And Paul goes, look, I don't think it's right. I think you should kick him out of the church, but that's up to y'all, and you got to meet and talk about this because this can't keep going. He doesn't even claim authority to make their decisions for them. He allows them to. Paul is being meek. He's being gentle. He is not using what authority he has to enforce how others ought to behave, how others ought to act, what others ought to do. Instead, he is gentle with them, allowing them to make their decisions, allowing them to follow as the Spirit wants them to. That's hard. It's hard. I admit, it's hard. I mean, even if we go beyond the whole, like, you know, how do you react in the moment to someone being cruel to you? I know I, a lot of us have inside of our heads somewhere, at one point or another in our lives, you know, that, that superhero, that white knight complex going off. As you know, I can fix the problems, just put me in charge. Again, we seldom see that actually works. 
I mean, even if you read, I mean, you know, anybody here, you know, you've ever watched, you know, or read, you know, Superman or Batman comics or any of the others. None of you are admitting it, but you all know who these characters are. Oh, you got one. You all know who these characters are. One would think, if you are a Superman who is fast enough to make time go backwards and you can basically live anywhere, do anything, did you know Superman's never out of the job? And that, that's kind of the whole plot line with Batman, too. You know, Batman starts by taking out thugs, and by Batman's mere use of violence upon others, creates ever worse thugs until you have supervillains who blow things up or, you know, spread poison gas that make everyone laugh and go crazy. It doesn't solve the problems. It makes it worse. It's a good thing we don't have superheroes. Not to mention, can you imagine what your insurance would look like? Just pointing that. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. But Paul shows it perfectly. He's willing to be a little hard, but he's always gentle. He's meek. And we see through Paul's work that those who follow in his way, who continue to be meek, to continue to be gentle, to welcome others into the church, to show them the kind of love that God wants us to show, to live, to be a part of, that it spreads. It spreads all across Asia Minor. It spreads into what would become Greece, into Thrace, into Macedonia, into Italy, into Africa, into India, into all of Europe, all of Africa, all of Asia, all of the Americas. Now, yes, it's fair, the church has not always been gentle. But we also see, by the work of those who are gentle, like Paul, that the faith spread and made the world a better place. Not by the sword, not by force, but by gentleness, the church began to inherit the earth. Keep being gentle. Keep assisting, helping, that this faith, these followers, will one day fully inherit the earth and bring about a true kingdom of God. Thank you. Go out there in gentleness. Be not reactive, but proactive. If you see a fist, raise a hand. If you see a sword, well, if you see a sword, I'll be surprised. But reach out and embrace. May you follow the Lord of love who asks us for gentleness and kindness in a world that doesn't always recognize that, so that this world will one day embrace it fully. Amen.